0: Welcome to Logistics Business Conversations, where we talk with key spokespeople in the logistics industry about topical issues. Hosted by Peter McLeod, editor of Logistics Business Magazine.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the latest edition of Logistics Business Conversations. I'm Peter McLeod, editor of Logistics Business Magazine, and it's my great pleasure today to host the latest in a series of podcasts brought to you by materials handling solutions provider, Jung Heinrich UK. Warehouse automation is playing a prominent role in helping businesses keep their logistics operations productive and competitive. In today's edition of Logistics Business Conversations, we chat with Jung Heinrich UK's managing director, Paul Lynam, and its director of automation projects, Spencer-, Spencer Goss. Welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for finding time in your schedules to sit down with me and discuss all things automation today.
0: Thanks, Peter. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Peter.
1: Paul, if I can turn to you first, can you tell me a little bit about the history of Jung Heinrich and how its focus has broadened from what was predominantly a supplier of internal combustion forklift trucks to the cutting-edge intra-logistics company it is today?
0: Sure, Peter. Uh, it's been it's been quite a journey. I the business was formed in 1953 in Germany, originally as the, the Jung, Heinrich & Co machine fabric. And even back then, though, it, it had uh, its first fledgling footsteps in the electrical uh, equipment where it really started. Uh, so from the years you know, it's 70 years old this year um, in, in Germany. And of course, the business in the UK is 60 years old this year. So we've, we've both been around for quite a long time. So, but it has been a journey and it has seen the move from those first simple electrical pallet moving equipment uh, and then through the, the combustion engine, which has certainly had a phase over the last decades. Um, but ultimately, Young Heinrich has been a electrical transport company. And I think it's something that's almost in a full circle now when we see the electrification of transport. And I think as the business has grown from germany and and then first of all internationally into austria and then further afield and as i said in in 63 uh, into the uk um so you have Jung heinrich everything from hand pallet trucks all the way through to Jung Heinrich arculate products or even Jung Heinrich fully automated uh, automatic storage and retrieval systems so we have something i think for everybody in the market uh, and as our business has grown and as our, our i suppose our experience in the market segments has grown um, we develop products to go along with that and that has been the journey electric through IC and now ultimately back to electric again.
1: Yes, we've, we've traced that route over the years. And um, of course in the industry, uh, particularly around the forklift side, we've seen a, a shift from um, internal, internal combustion to electric, but specifically within uh, the electrical side of the business from lead acid to lithium-ion. So, so how was Jung Heinrich uh, placed to, uh,
0: to move the business more towards the lithium-ion side? Sure. I think Young Heinrich is well-placed. I mean, as I said, it has a pedigree of electrical uh, products that it's offered over the years. And we believe that we're one of the current leaders in this lithium-ion field, um, which means that we're gradually re- offering all of our products as well as the lead-acid batteries with the lithium-ion solutions. And the lithium-ion brings a number of advantages um, over the lead-acid and, to a degree, over the IC engines. I think the, the most notable ones, certainly over the, the lead-acid, are the quicker charge times um, where you can use them in, in i suppose high efficiency or, or high productivity and high output industries uh, but also the the fact that they've got this ins or this regular quick changing doesn't need to be done overnight generally you can avoid battery transit battery swaps and also means that you don't have the issues with um the acid and the uh I suppose, the smells and the dangers of spills in the lead acid production. So I think if you open up opportunities or other areas where the lithium ion products uh, have a definite over the lead acid. Both lead acid and lithium have a role to play in certain customer requirements, but both um, will support the customers on on their journey um, towards decarbonisation and the sustainability and the management of the scope one and scope two, and ultimately scope three aspects as well for some of the customers. So I think that's um, what Young has been at, and we continue to bring out products uh, on a regular basis with the uh lithium ion and ever-increasing power banks and power batteries.
1: Spencer, I can uh, turn to you now, if I may, I I could talk about forklift trucks all day long, but uh, really, we need to switch around to automation here. I'm going to ask you, from what I recall about Jung Heinrich, you were one of the first major forklift truck manufacturers to, to establish strong credentials in, in the automation sector. Uh, possibly, you could say, while well, some of your competitors were uh, concerned that that may, uh, the move to automation may actually uh, um, detract from their uh, forklift sales. Um but uh, Jung Heinrich was very sort of forward in, in, in its uh, move to automation. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about this the philosophy behind that and uh, how, how you feel Jung Heinrich was well placed to, to make such a, such a decision?
2: Of course, so, you know, as Paul said, over the last 70 years, we've got some real insight into the market and it gives us a really good and unrivaled perspective on material handling and what automation would look like. So if you look at it from the beginning, um, our first AGV was in 1962. That was an electric wire-guided AGV. You know, then in 1984, we brought in our first fully automated system, you know, our first AGV in 2010. We brought all of our controls and high-level controls and software in-house in 2013 and 15. And our first AMR was in 2021. And now we have the power queue. So what Yonhara can try to do is look at the track market, and still provide an end-to-end solution, which is from a fully managed solution all the way up to a fully integrated solution. So the automation is there, but it doesn't, you know, uh, the way we've got it's set up, we can still deliver every phase of someone's growth and every phase of someone's development within their business.
0: I think maybe, maybe to add a point to that, I think you got to look at it from a perspective of what we're doing for our customers and that we want to be able to provide a full scope from one hand. So whether you require a hand pallet truck or a simple electrical um, electrical hand pallet truck, all the way up to the fully automation. You can get that from Young Heinrich. So I think it's incumbent on us then to be able to grow with the customers to meet their demands as that changes, and be that through the electrification or be that through the automation and the range of products that we bring in. As I said so we're inv- already involved in the racking and elements of the business, and now you bring the automation to that as well. So I think one of the key factors for Young Heinrich is that we, we see ourselves as being to a degree, uh, in the position to consult and advise our customers, but then also to provide them the full range of products that they're going to require through, throughout their manufacturing or storage cycle.
1: Uh, with the attraction of it coming from a single source. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would uh, um, also like to ask you, Spencer, is it is it factors such as uh, labour costs and the price per square metre of warehouse space in the UK that's making automation such a compelling proposition right now, or, or is there more to
2: it than that? There's more to it than that. Obviously, cost competitive is, of course, the main driver, but automation is driven by so much more you know, than reduced labour costs and footprint size. Uh, you know, we're currently experiencing a shortage of skilled labour for warehouse uh, staff at the moment, and um, you know that's a challenge as well as as, as a cost. Um, so, having automation available available allows us to you know reduce some of that automation. Uh, sorry, reduce some of that labour constraint.
0: I was just reflecting. I think you said it not just on the the labor. But I think the other thing that comes in with the automation here is is now having the digitization. And the the more of the automation process that we bring in, I think it allows us to blend that into um, the digital approach that we're seeing in so many businesses. And it also, to a degree, allows you to blend it into some of the ERP systems that are out there so that what you're getting now is bringing the warehouse into the whole um, manufacturing chain within, or into the supply chain with many of our customers. And that's something that hasn't always been the case. Sometimes the warehouse was seen as that big shed at the back, but I think now with the automation, digitization is becoming a much more of a critical part in the whole supply chain that's out there.
1: Are there some challenges, specific challenges or opportunities that come with this uh, move towards a more digitized inter-logistics uh, industry?
2: For sure, I mean, if you look at it, um just consider it from the the model that you have for next day or same day delivery you know having those automated processes allows you to optimize your inventory management which allows you to then be competitive in that area you know you've got a wealth of data so having that data having that digitalization allows you to really focus on your you know get deeper insights on your your operational trends and performance and gives you a better insight and a much quicker uh, continuous improvement
0: process it also gives an element of you know the more information you have about where actually the products are within the pipeline. So if you if you take a lot of the orders that you place online today, you can literally track it from leaving the customer um, or the order being placed out of the warehouse through the supply chain and back to the end So, I think you've got that, which is another part of the digitization. But I think it also you've got to remember that the more information is there, it allows you to manage the flow uh, and the maintenance of your of your stock levels to optimize those for the requirements that are there. So I think there's multiple benefits um, to the digitization of the supply chain process. Is
1: the big spike that we saw driving your customers towards more automation within their uh, logistics operations?
2: Yes, I mean it's the same reasons we just discussed uh, with the labour, you know, that the home quarantine had the same effect as the skilled labour shortage we're seeing now. Being able to continue to do business, you know, with a limited workforce was extremely challenging for many businesses. Automation reduced and in some cases completely removed that constraint. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, I, I know you mentioned uh, PowerCube earlier, Paul. Um, I'm speaking to you fresh from the news that uh, Jung Heinrich has won an IFOI award for its PowerCube solution. Congratulations for that. Uh, as a, As a member of the IFOI uh, judging panel, I have to say it was quite a, an outstanding entry in its class. So uh, to be fair, I wasn't really that surprised that it picked up the uh, coveted gong. Um, so, uh, Spencer or Paul, not sure who to throw this to, but could one of you please sort of describe to me the, the capabilities of PowerCube and uh, how it can help a business sort of optimize its warehouse operations?
2: So, you know, you know the PowerCube is a bit of a game changer for us. It can be adapted to any layout. So it can fit a new warehouse, a greenfield site, or we can put it into a brownfield solution because the footprint and the, uh, the profile of it can be adapted. You know, it's got a maximum height of 12 meters, which makes it the tallest compact storage system in the market. Um, It's, you know, storage density is four times higher than the equivalent shelving system. It allows a smaller footprint. So we're talking about the real estate and, you know, the cost per square meter. Because of its uh, dense design, it does allow for a very small footprint. It can be easily integrated into an existing system. So again, brownfield, it can be integrated as part of a new solution, greenfield, with a much smaller footprint. Or it could be a standalone solution. So it's very, very versatile. You don't have a specific specialized floor. You don't need to do any grinding or leveling like you do with a of other systems and it can be installed and commissioned very very easily the other good thing about it is if you want to move warehouse you can actually unbolt it take it with you and rebuild it in the new warehouse um, you know the uh, the throughput is based on the number of lithium-ion shuttles that you're using and you can scale those lithium-ion shuttles the number of them based on the throughput and the performances you need each shuttle can carry two big 50 kilo totes and because we're using a standard tote it means that you can keep the, uh, the goods in that tote all the way through the, uh, the storage process. So from you know, goods in all the way through to goods to the person or to packing, it can be kept in that same tote. So you've got less interface changes, less chances for jamming. So it's, it's a very, very versatile and efficient system.
1: Um, I have to say also jung Heinrich is uh, n- notable for providing end-to-end uh, material handling solutions. I just wondered where, where does PowerCube sort of fit into that mix? And what sort of businesses do you expect will be attracted to the Power Cube solution?
2: So, for me, it's existing businesses requiring additional storage you know, within, within their footprint constraints. So, if you look at some of the older uh, warehouses that have um, you know, pitched eaves and pitched roofs, we can, we can actually fill those rather than having a flat level and having all the dead space above it. So, we can fit the profile of the building. Um, it's, it's a really good fit for pharma. Uh, Three PLs with multiple customers because you can have various parts of the the uh, store allocated to various uh, different customers, uh, goods to person, and also the food market. So it's got a big wide use.
0: I think I think one of the things that Spencer mentioned there about the uh, the ability to go into brownfield, I think it, it means it does two things. I mean, one is that it doesn't necessitate having complete redevelopment of a new area. Uh, and the other thing I think is also Spencer mentioned is that the scalability aspect of it. So it's possible to install it in an existing space you may have today, um, and also then look at how you might be able to uh, expand that as your requirements grow in the in the future. So I, I think it, it is, it's a versatile, I mean the PowerCube is definitely a versatile product. And when we first saw it at the uh, exhibitions last year, you, know, you could see that there's potential there. And then this year again, with um, some bigger examples of where it is and the first pilot's already in, in, in rollout at the moment. So I think it's uh, something that definitely uh, will be of, of significant interest to many of our customers here in the UK. Is it a misconception for
1: me to say that automation is really only for the larger companies uh, or if not, what's the you know what would be a typical trigger point for a smaller smaller business to make its first move into automation?
2: So um, it's definitely not just for large scale companies. Um, you know a good point, a good example is say for instance, you have a a two shift uh, truck operation floor-to-floor or to low-level racking um, and you are, you're employing two handlers or you know, two operators to run those two shifts. Um, you could replace that with uh, an, an AGV, um, re you know, the two uh, employees to do more work to do with quality control or exception handling stuff that robots can't do yet, and effectively you can get a return on investment on that within two years. So it does work for small businesses as well. There's a lot of opportunity.
0: I think it depends an awful lot on the on the process that you're trying to look at. So all industries uh, will have some can do, will can have some degree of highly repetitive process. I think, as Spencer said, that's where you start to see the opportunities to automate. If it's a straight line pick and drop uh, that happens twenty four seven, you look to, to to automate. But I think the other thing, and that might be for the smaller operations, but you might also have larger customers. We're looking at the bigger picture in terms of automation of their goods in <clears throat> excuse me of the uh, material handling at the end and also the, the storage the storage of the finished goods so i think there's something there for for multiple customers uh, and that's i suppose what we like to do is get out and see what the requirements are and then see what solution is the best one for their particular challenge
1: sometimes a business may not necessarily know why things aren't going so well with its logistics operations or uh what it, indeed it might take to uh, to fix it um could you just talk me through a little bit about how you would consult with a customer just to help them to uh, increase its material flow and uh, iron out these pain points?
2: So that's something. We have a material flow department now which looks at your business, analyzes how you're using your systems at the moment, looks at your performance, looks at your SKU usage, you know your, your fast-moving, medium moving slow-moving components, and helps you understand the business you have. So that's irrespective of whether it's an automated system, a semi-automated system, or a manual system. So once we've done that analysis, we can then look with you at how we might be able to grow the system or change the system based on your development plan, based on your investment cycles, based on your targets over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So you know, um, we would start with looking at what you need You know now. Um, that doesn't actually have to be an automated system. That could be a completely manual system for now looking that when you reach a certain order level or a certain you know, uh, profit threshold, you want to then look at the semi-automated. So we would go through that journey with the customer. One of the challenges we're finding at the moment is, is that a lot of the customers that we have or prospective customers say, we want automation, but are you know, relatively new to it or nervous of what that means. Um, and we do, you know, the way we do our material flow uh, consulting, we look at the system, look at what you want, look at where you wanna go and help you along that journey.
0: I think one of the other angles to that, Spencer, as well, is that if you look at, we said, we've, we've been in the UK uh, supplying the industry here for the last 60 years. So it gives us, and members of the team, uh, great insights to you know, what journey the customers have been on. And part of this um, is about designing the right solution for that particular customer. So we have the benefit of understanding what the challenges may have been, what the advantages and disadvantages are in terms of the trucks that have been used, uh, and therefore also where you see the opportunity to apply the automation. Um, and I think we, we've also, because of the, the nature of the group, that we have a certain amount of expertise that we have in country and for certain projects then, if it's big scale automation and ASRS solutions, we have the ability to tap into the wider Young hiring Network through the hub that we've set up here in Northwest Europe and also then to tap back into uh, headquarters in Munich and Hamburg for specific uh, technology and, and support that may require. So I think you don't just get um, the, the one guy who may be knocking on your door here in the UK, but you get the full young hiring global network behind it to provide the right solution to the customer at that moment in time.
1: I think we're uh, working in an industry, I'm um, grateful to be working in an industry where... Um, Data and metrics are very much to the forefront. So, uh, does that make it possible for you to accurately calculate uh, the ROI, return on investment, that automation brings?
2: Yes, um, I think it does reasonably accurately. Um, you know, we can look at the uh, the processes that are currently in place in the business or the processes that we're putting in place, and you can you can work it out on a you know uh, a cost per unit transported, or a return on investment on the labor saved by automating. Or a return on investment or the improvement in throughput you get. So it is easy to calculate, you know, easy to calculate that. And I think that's one of the things that helps customers make that step. Because we do we do put an overview on what the return on investment on in some of our
0: systems is. I think one of the important things there as well, Spencer, that it depends on how much data you have. Like it, it's the more data you put in, the more analysis and more. Uh, accurate mm-hmm. information you get out so you know if, if you don't if the customer doesn't already have a certain amount of base data we can support them in identifying what that should be but you do need to like in all these things the the better the input quality the better the output result is so i think that's something that you got to bear in mind as well that there will be opportunities where um the accuracy of the output is limited by the input of the, the quality of the input of the data but that said um, we know we can point you in the right direction as to the types of information and data that is required, uh, and then work out you know what what we expect the output to be. Um, and I think you also got to bear in mind it's not just about automating a process. What we do in terms of the the analysis is, not just looking at saying, well, let's just automate moving pallet from A to B. There is an element where you need to look at the absolute um, flow of goods and that you might not just automate that step. You might be looking at how you redesign the flow of material to make the best use of the automation rather than automating the old system.
1: Right. Is there such a sort of typical example of how a business can benefit from automation or, uh, and what the ROI is? Or is that a bit like asking how long is a piece of string?
0: I think it's unfortunately closer asking how long that piece of string is. Um, <laughs> I, I think it depends on the, on on the requirements. I think Spencer touched on some of them. Like it depends on the throughput. It depends on maybe the value of goods. It depends on what your risk in your supply chain is, uh, or within the process. I mean, if it's time that you're only saving, it depends on the value of the goods. So every uh, avoidance of a drop pallet or something like that from an automation system. Uh, or every less damaged good uh, would have a would have a much bigger payback than say the sake of just saving a certain amount of time. Um, so I think it's it's about looking at what the individual requirement is of the customer and then trying to estimate with, based on the data we've got what sort of what sort of solution it will be, how technical and how advanced that solution may require it to be, what it needs to be integrated into, and then looking at the cost and the payback. That would be my take on Spencer's. So I don't know whether whether you'd see that any differently.
2: No, no, no. That's what I'm aligned with
1: that for. Uh, In a previous edition of Logistics Business Conversations uh, brought to you by Jung Heinrich, we talked extensively with uh, some of the experts from the Carbon Trust about the decarbonisation of the supply chain. Um, what part would you say does Jung Heinrich play in helping its customers achieve their sustainability targets?
0: Well, I, I think it probably plays multiple roles in it. Uh, I think one of the objectives that we have from group level and also here in the UK is, um, I suppose, to improve the sustainability of of the overall process. Uh, And that means the the end-to-end life of the goods and of our products. So we support our customers on one side, but we're also working on sustainability ourselves be that around um, the move towards uh, electric uh, fork trucks f- away from the IC, but also further than that. I mean, if it's around the electrification of our own um, our own vehicles and our own fleet, it, it may be around the fact that we put solar panels on on the roofs of our buildings. So it, it starts back there, actually even goes further back. I mean, and some of the products that we have now, it goes right back into the supply chain in terms of trying to deliver our power line carrier trucks to the customer sites uh, that will be carbon free to point to delivery. Um, so I think that's sort of just one element of it uh, that, that we would that we would involve in.
1: I, I have to confess, I'm a bit of a forklift truck geek. Will there always be a place for forklifts in the warehouse of tomorrow, or will we one day see them relegated to a museum alongside steam trains and fax
2: machines? Peter, I think we're you know we're quite a way away from completely removing manual forklifts from the warehouse. You know, if you think about it from a you know a single a sole trader or a very small business they're only really going to adopt an agv when there is a true benefit in terms of financial return and that will only come with you know technology scaling and the associated cost reductions that we get from that as we sell more cheaper if you think about it from the delivery one delivery driver with a truck delivering to several of his customers all with different sites there's different floor levels inclines declines to other vehicles you know, there's people in the place. You know, if you think about the auto- autonomous technologies that we have in place at the moment, you're only just starting to get comfortable with, um, you know, autonomous cars. So, you know, that's on roads that have standard layouts and a prescribed and understood set of rules. So I think that there's a place for a forklift to come for a very long time. It will reduce, you know, as we go forwards, but it's there for a, a fair while still.
0: I think you've got to remember that forklift is, is rather a generic term, uh, and it... It's got quite a, a wide scope as well. And I think as Spencer alluded to that, that there are elements of it that are probably, uh, will be automated quicker than, than other aspects of it. Uh, and I think I absolutely agree that we will have uh, fork trucks and all the forms, manual fork trucks and all the forms uh, with us for a long time to come. And, and even down to the simplest forms, you see them on the back of larger delivery trucks or even front to store and supermarkets. And I'm sure there'll be places where it'll never happen. Uh, and I hope that uh, those four trucks don't all end up in the museum someday, but there's still plenty more mileage left in many of those uh, for, for the right customer and the right requirement. I have to agree with you there, Paul, 100%. So at the start
1: of the uh, podcast, we talked about uh, a little bit about the past. Uh, and now as we reach the end, maybe it's a good time to ask, um, what does the future look like
2: for Jung Heinrich? So in terms of the automation, you know, there will be increasingly more robotics. You know, we will, we will automate more of our our product line, um, our, our vehicles become more autonomous um, and we will have um, a much better set of safety rules that allow us to make areas more open plan. So, you know, VNA aisles will not be protected by level three gates in the future and venting, you will have a much more integrated um, uh, warehouse. In terms of software solutions, you know, you have the machine learning, you've got artificial intelligence getting better every day. Um, I think the warehouse management solutions, the way they work at the moment is very standalone. Um, if you consider you know, a few years down the line, I think you'll have it that the, uh, the trucks delivering the goods are fully linked into the, uh, the uh, ERP or to the warehouse management system. We will know when things are arriving and we will optimize even further in terms of, uh, you know, um, accuracy of shipments, performance of deliveries, everything will get better because everything else will be more interest, uh, integrated. The warehouse, several warehouses will be working on one system. Um, so I see a more integrated and um, driven by artificial intelligence future.
0: I think I think as well, like um, if I look at the future of Young Heinrich for the UK, I think there's a couple of other angles as well. The electrification, the digitalization, the globalisation. I think all of those will, will impact where we end up. So, yes, definitely the journey is electric um in, a, in our opinion and some people may say there's, there's other fuel sources out there and we, we'll we'll see where, where this all goes uh but we will continue the journey to be the the leader in terms of the lithium ion for our products um but there's also other things that i think you need to consider i mean one is that for us we will still have um fields of engineers in the foreseeable future that are out keeping keeping these trucks uh, and the electrical equipment and the, and the automation uh, equipment Running, So, you know, in that respect, things won't change that much, but we'll probably have um, more external access to some of the data that these trucks can provide, whereas in the past that wasn't the case, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to be more preventative in terms of the solutions, or preventative in terms of the maintenance for trucks and identifying things uh, before some of the stuff happens. I think you're also going to see um, further development in terms of safety. Uh, and as you get this sort of hybrid environment for automation, semi-automation and moving an environment where people are still around in some of the larger warehouses, I think you're going to see further trends towards um, the the safety aspects and how trucks interfere, or sorry, not interfere, but interact with uh, human beings. I think you're going to see that. I think you're probably also going to see um, much more data being made available um and that's something that young hire will be able to analyze and provide back um or the customers may choose to analyze themselves i mean we would look at um usage uptimes we use that then to optimize the maintenance of the, of the of the equipment as well so i think you've got that uh you'd also be looking at uh possibly monitoring the availability of uh some of the automated equipment um in on the customer sites so i think that's something that will be coming down to track with it as well so i think that there's there's Happening in there, I think we will still, you know, in 60 years' time, hopefully be a, a main player in the UK market with um, the young Heinrich colleagues that will sell, serve, advise, and provide um, the, the service and the expertise that the, the customers in the UK require from us. So I think uh, it, it's been an interesting 60 years. Um, I think there's a lot of change coming down the track, but you know, I still expect that there will be a young Heinrich UK in, in 60 years' time as well.
1: Well, that's a great place to finish. Thank you very much indeed gentlemen. Uh, the time has flown by and it probably uh, seems as good a point as any to bring our interesting chat to, to a close. So it remains for me to say uh, a big thank you to my two guests, Paul Lynam and Spencer Goss, and to thank Jungheinrich UK for supporting this edition of Logistics Business Conversations. You can find out more about Jung Heinrich's automation by visiting www.jungheinrich.co.uk. Please remember to like and subscribe to Logistics Business Conversations on whatever channel you are listening to us. I look forward to bringing you the next edition, but until then, it's goodbye from me, Peter McLeod, and thank you for joining us today.